Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. Yes, amen. He's so good. He's so good. Well, we're going to receive from the Word of God now and uh, be encouraged and strengthened by the Word of God. Now, um, today we partook of communion, and, you know, it said there, for the joy that was set before Jesus, he endured the cross. And, you know, people have said, well, it's the joy, you know, he saw us. He saw all the souls that he was going to save, and I believe that was part of it. But I believe the greatest thing that he he had joy in was that he was obeying his father, his heavenly father, and he knew that his heavenly father had a good plan. And that's the joy. That was the, the joy in, in that knowing that he was pleasing his father and that his father had a good plan. And, you know, we heard something today that, um, not today, I heard it this week, um, actually, it was at a conference, and um, it really hit me, and, I, and I've been challenged in looking at this, and really, and then Pastor Sheila's message last week, um, actually, she's been um, sharing that within the small group and some of our leadership meetings, just challenging us about getting jars that God can fill. You know, so many times there's things that we can't do, and we look at what we can't do, but God says, no, your miracle's in your house. The, the widow, she had a jar and had a little bit of oil. God didn't ask her to get something she didn't have. He, he looked at what she had, and then he said, go and get jars. So she had the ability to go get some more jars. She didn't have the ability to fill the jars. But the little oil she had, when she began to pour it, it multiplied. And God is saying to, I believe us, is don't look at what you don't have. Look at what you have, and I will use what you have, and I will multiply. I will do the part that you can't do. I will do the filling. I will do my part. But he's asking us to do our part. And so I've just been challenged in this, and I've been looking at the scriptures in a different way in, in that I'm seeing things that um, it, I'm realizing God already had a plan, and he wants us to step into it. And a lot of times we don't. It's because we don't see it. And, and there, there was a statement um, that uh, was said at the conference, and it says, you will not hear God or obey God beyond your level of trust. It's your level of trust. A lot of times where people are like, well, God's not doing this, God's not doing that. It's like, but are you hearing him and are you obeying him at the level of trust that you're walking at with him? So many times we put things on God, and God says, no, if you will, then I will. He always gives us a step. But it's what is my level of trust that I can begin to step into that or I be can begin to hear him. And Jesus had a tremendous level of trust with his heavenly father. Therefore, he was able to hear. He was able to quickly obey. He was able to, to understand completely what his father wanted. And I want us to look at this in Luke 19 because this just shocks me. And I'm like, God, I do not want to be this person. Um, in Luke 19, it says... That uh, actually, I'm going to pull it up here because um, it shocks me because Jesus was weeping over Jerusalem. 
And uh, this is before he's going in to, um, to do what he needed to do in terms of the cross and his, his sacrifice there. And it says here that it says in verse 41, Luke 19, 41, but as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. I don't know about you, but to see Jesus weep, that would have just like broke my heart. Um, just, you know, I've, I've only seen my, my father weep a few times in my life. And it breaks your heart to see a parent or someone that you respect break and weep. And Jesus was weeping. And this is what he said. He said, how I wish today that all that you of all people would understand the way of peace. So he's weeping at, at Jerusalem. And he says, but now it's too late. And peace, it doesn't say that it's not there. It says it's hidden from your eyes. He says, before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and circle you and close in on you on every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. And your enemies will not leave a single stone in place. And this is why, because you did not recognize it when, God, when, when God's uh, visited you. And another translation says, your time of visitation. So everything was available to make for their peace. Everything was there. But Jesus was like, you didn't see it. You, you didn't, you weren't, another translation or another um, gospel says in a different way, it says you were unwilling. He says, I, I did desired to gather you as, as a mother hen gathers her chicks under her and protects them. But he said you were unwilling and, and so, so many times we're like, I'm blaming this and I'm blaming that. And we get caught up in circumstances. And we get caught up in, 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 the, in life and what's going on around us. And God is saying, I see something that's different. And I'm doing something that's different. And I want you to see it. And I, I want us to go to 2 Kings because in the Old Testament we see this. And um, this is with Elisha. And in 2 Kings 6, it's, it's such a tremendous example of um, just closing in and hearing God. Now, in, in, in the Old Testament, the prophets, and Elisha was one of them, they were responsible to hear God. They were responsible. They were set apart to just hear God's voice and to follow him. Well, Elisha was a man who honored God, and he did that. And God even told him secrets of what the enemies of Israel were doing, the armies that were coming against Israel at the time. Um, and it was the king of Aram uh, here in this situation. He was at war with Israel. But every time he, he got some plans, we're going to read this, that God would show Elisha what was going on. We'll look at it here. It says, so when the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, we'll mobilize our forces at such and such a place. But immediately, Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, do not go near that place, for the Ar Armeni Armenians are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God, and the time 
Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on the alert there. The king of Aram became very upset over this. He called his officers together and demanded, which of you is the traitor? So he's thinking there's someone in his, in his own ranks who's, who's betraying them. Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us, my lord king, one of the officers replied. And Elisha, and it says here, Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. <laughs> okay, this is like... This prophet hears God, and God was like sharing his secrets. And he was telling him and giving him a window into what was happening. And it was something that was going to, to help the children of Israel to be able to win. And I believe that God is wanting to speak more than we're listening. I believe COVID is shouting at you more than the Word of God is shouting at you many times. I believe that lockdown and restrictions can be shouting at us a lot more than what God is saying we can do, even in the midst of this. I believe that He wants us to raise our level of trust so that we can hear and obey Him to a greater degree. And it gets better as we see this with Elisha. And this is what I want to be. I want to be so close to God like Elisha here that, that nothing moves me. Now, they're at war. They're at continual war. So this is what happens. After the king uh, hears this, he says, Go out, verse 13, and find where he is, the king commanded, so I can send the troops to seize him. And the report came back that Elisha is at Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. Okay, it's a prophet and his sidekick. And he sends a great army. What's that tell me? It tells me that with God in my boat, I'm majority. We become majority. If God is for us, who can be against us? Amen? Do we believe that? You know, a lot of times we just, we're, what, what I'm trying to hit and, to, and counteract, and, and, I'm, and, and, and I, I'm doing this for myself as well, there, there can be this survival defeatist mentality that comes in when you've been under lockdown for so long. You're just like, you live hopeful. And you live surviving. And God is like, I see far more than that. Well, why isn't COVID gone yet? Well, I'll tell you one thing that we can do. The Bible says that we have power in the name of Jesus. We can exercise that power to see people healed. Don't put so much confidence in a vaccine. I'm not saying it's not bad, but it certainly isn't Jesus. He's far more powerful. He's far more greater. There are so many more things that we can begin to do. Instead of taking the defense, we can take the offense. And so this is what he said. They got surrounded by, by troops, tons of horses and chariots everywhere. It says here, um, when the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning, 
and went outside. There were troops, horses and chariots everywhere. Verse 15. He said, oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. <laughs> okay? Now, listen. Little sidekick guy here with Elisha. He, I know when Elisha said that, don't be afraid, there's more on our side than on theirs. He's like, okay, he's really lost his noodle. Like, he's like, he's not in reality here. And I'll tell you why. Because Elisha had to pray a prayer. Now, this was the prayer. Oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. He didn't pray. Oh, God, please bring chariots and, and warring angels and everything else and surround us and help us, Lord, and, and help us to be able to get through this and help us and help us and help us and help us and help us. It's not what he prayed. Elisha lived in the reality that God is always for him and not against him. If we can jump to Romans 8, 31 and 32, because this is what our verses to stand on. Great. I've got to jump back to it because I can't read it from the screen. Just one second. What shall we say or what shall we speak about such wonderful things as, the, as these. And this is talking, if you read Romans, it talks about Jesus and the, and the price that he paid dying on the cross, that he made us sons of God, that we can call to, out to uh, Abba Father, Daddy God. He sent us his spirit to give us power, to give us, um, to lead us. He, he tells about all these things that the, in Romans 8, the beginning of it. But then it, it's ending here, and it says this. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Amen? Then it says this. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? God's not holding back. God's never holding back. Just like Elisha, he said, there's more for us than there are against us. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. As the Ar Armenian... Army advanced toward him. Elisha prayed, O oh Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha, Elisha had asked. Then Elisha went out and told them, You have come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. Follow me, and I will take you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to the city of Samaria. As soon as they had entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, O oh Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes, and they discovered that they were in the middle of Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he shouted to Elisha, My father, should I, should I kill them? Should I kill them? Of course not, Elisha replied. 
Do we kill prisoners of war, give them food and drink, and send them home again to their master? So the king made a great feast for them and then sent them home to their master. After that, the Armenian raiders stayed away from the land of Israel. Isn't that a cool battle? No bloodshed. God was for them. See, the Bible says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen? This is what we are called to do. This is the way we are to think. This is the way we are to operate. This is the way that we should be conducting our lives, and this is the way we should be talking. Is We're not looking to curse the darkness. We're lighting a candle. Are you cursing the darkness, or are you lighting a candle? When you walk into the room, what are you doing? Are you getting into the whole COVID schmobid conversation and all the conspiracy and blah, blah, blah? You know what? It doesn't matter. God's not in a panic. He has a plan. God doesn't have problems. He only has plans. And he has a plan. And so I want to be on that side. Do you? I want us to read Isaiah because Isaiah kind of gives us a, a sense of, and, and I want to actually uh, wrap up with this, is it shows us God's way of thinking in the midst of, of, of situations that we're in. And I love the book of Isaiah. He brings out, it's so redemptive in, in so many of the things that Isaiah saw. And he, of course, prophesied many times of the coming of the Lord. And we'll see this here even with John the Baptist, um, the prophecy of him in Isaiah 40 when we look here. But um, <clears throat> Isaiah lived in a real reality of, of just God's redemptive power. And it says here, we're going to read the whole book. The whole, well, sorry, the whole chapter. Car Carrie's like, the whole book? <laughs> wow. <coughs> sorry, the whole chapter. Um, it says here, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Tell her that her sad days are gone and her sins are pardoned. Yes, the Lord has punished her twice over for all her sins. Listen, it's the voice of someone shouting, clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys and the level of the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all the people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. A voice said, shout, I asked. What should I shout? Shout that people are like grass. Their beauty fades as quickly as the flowers in a field. The grass withers and the flowers fade beneath the breath of the Lord. And so it is with people. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen? We're, you know, we're just in the middle of doing our gardening stuff. Uh, we got a lot of gardens. And, um, and you see, you know, it's nice when they're, when they're beautiful, but boy, when they die, it's a mess. And, you know, when the leaves fall off the trees and everything looks so dead, you know, it's just... You, you see, it just fades. It's there, and then it fades. And, and, and God is saying here, look, you just remember your life is just like 
It's like that grass. It's here, and then it's gone. Like, don't put so much confidence in, you know, that little moment of time that you're, put your confidence in the word of God that lasts and stands forever. Amen? He says, O Zion, messenger of the good news, shout from the mountaintops. Shout it louder, O Jerusalem. Shout and do not be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah, your God is coming. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power, and he will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes, and he will feed his flock like a shepherd. And I love this. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. And he will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. I love this part, too. The Bible's all good, but I'm really loving this part. Who else has held the oceans in his hand? So, okay, if you're struggling with your level of trust with God, God's basically saying here, look, here's my resume. Okay? I'm going to just kind of give you a little bit of a resume. Who has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? I mean, you, you see what science is showing now, how the universe is expanding and is expanding and all the glories of the things you see out in the, the universe. And yet God's like he can measure it with his fingers. He's like, who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord. Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? Yet we do it all the time. Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? We like to think so. <laughs> we like to think we help them out a few times, you know. I, I'm reminded of, um, you know, and. Ananias, when, uh, when Saul became Paul, when his powerful conversion and he got knocked off that horse and Jesus confronted him and said, you know, it's not good for you to persecute me. And uh, basically he was out to take him out, but Paul repented, converted, and then he said, you need to go into the city. And he was blind for three days, scales on his eyes. And God speaks to Ananias in his prayer time and he says, you need to go to this guy, Saul, and pray for him. And he, and he like, gives God advice. He's like, uh, God, do you not know that this guy, like, kills Christians? Uh, just heads up. Uh, you may have said the wrong name or, like, you, you're not aware here. He's giving him advice. And God's like, he didn't even answer. He just said, Go. Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? No, for all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. And I love this. It puts life in perspective. And do we ever need perspective? No, for all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They are nothing more than dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. 
all the wood in Lebanon's forests and all Lebanon's animals would not be enough to make a burnt offering worthy of our God. Wow. The nations of the world are worth nothing to him. In his eyes, they count for less than nothing, mere emptiness and froth. To whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? Can he be compared to an idol formed in a mold, overlaid with gold and decorated with silver chains? Or if people are too poor for that, they might at least choose wood that won't decay and a skilled craftsman to carve an image that won't fall down. Haven't you heard and don't you understand? Are you deaf to the words of God, the words he gave before the world began? Are you so ignorant? God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below seem like gra grasshoppers to him. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain and he makes his tent from them. He judges the great people of the world and brings them all to nothing. They can hardly get started, barely taking root, when he blows on them and they wither. The wind carries them off like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? asks the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. And because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. O oh, Jacob, how can you say that the Lord does not see your troubles? O oh, Canada, how can you say God ignores your rights. Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weary or weak. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. I want to repeat that. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. I qualify for both. I'm taking them both. Yeah. I'm both. Weakness is not a bad thing when it's given to God. To be powerless, we're in lots of situations where we seem powerless. But when it's given to God, it turns to strength. There are things, we were talking about this today, Pastor Sheila, not today, I don't know, sometime this week. We were talking. It's a good thing we were talking. And um, we were talking about there's things you learn in the wilderness that you will not learn anywhere else. And I pray that we learn what we're supposed to learn in this wilderness time. Because it prepares you and it does something in you that nothing else will do. The children of Israel, they wandered in the wilderness. And we always, you know, say it's because of their disobedience. 
It was because they weren't ready to fight the giants and God had to prepare them to be able to take their promised land. And I believe there's things that God wants us to step into that we cannot unless we allow this season that God is stripping things and putting new things in us to be done. And so he gives power to the weak. Just give him that weakness. He can turn it to strength. It says even youth. So all you young ones, all you youths, it says will become weak and tired. And young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Amen? I need new strength. Last week's strength's not enough. I need some new stuff. And you find new strength with new trust. And I want my level of trust to go up. Amen? And it says here that those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. Amen. Have you ever watched an eagle? If I can have the worship team up, we're going we're gonna to do some, some worship and some ministry time. They ride the storm and they ride the winds. And it doesn't matter how bad the winds are. They will ride it and they will soar above it if the storm is bad. They just ride those winds till they get above that storm and they ride it. And this is what he was saying. They will soar on high with wings like eagles. So we can soar over the storms. And it says they will run and not grow weary and they will walk and not faint. Amen. This is what we have in our God. This is what he has given us. And he's given us far more than what is against us. And so this is what I want us to begin to do. I want us to begin to take back those things that we have given over to the enemy. Maybe it's your thoughts. And you've given thoughts of um, just defeat. And you've just resigned to the fact that, you know what? I'm just going to barely make it through. And nothing could be further from the truth when you're a child of God. God is redemptive, and he's wanting to get something to you, and he's wanting to restore, and he's wanting to show you his... The Bible says that he leads us into triumph. Well, let's do um, overcome. And it's not in anything in ourselves. It's because of what he is, has done. And we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. It's relying completely on the work of the cross. And it's allowing what he did on the cross to be enough. For no matter what we are facing, that we have given it to him and we are trusting him to be able to give us the answers that we need because every situation is different and God has an answer. He has a plan. Maybe it's a situation where you don't, maybe you don't need an answer, but you need favor and he'll open a door for something 
that you couldn't have opened a door for. Maybe it's an area where you are just internally, you are so weak and you are maybe depressed and maybe, I don't know, it's it just, p humans are complex. So it just, it can be so many things. But give that weakness, give that place where you feel powerless to him and let him turn it to strength. Let him change that. Trust him. Just take that step and open your heart to Jesus and let him do what he can do. God is, he gave his only son. How much more will he freely give all things? God is, is not holding back. He is the giver. And we want to be able to receive from him. Especially when we need it. The Bible says we can come to that throne of grace through the precious blood of Jesus. We can come boldly to that throne to receive help and to, 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 to receive the grace that we need in time of need. So that's when we're weak, when we, we, we are powerless, that's the place where we can come to him. So that's what I want us to do. I want us to just exalt Jesus and give him as we're worshiping him, as we're declaring this song, overcome. It's exalting Jesus, but it's showing that we have a victory in him. And this week, I want to challenge you. Ask yourself when you're going into every situation, is, is, is God's word shouting at me louder than my circumstances? Because if there, it's not, you need to allow God's word, God's promise to you in whatever areas you're facing to become alive to you because he has more and his word stands forever. And what we see here is temporal. It's subject to change. It's shifting. It's constantly here and there, here and there. But the things that God wants to do, the things that God has said, they are eternal. They are established forever. And whatever is against that has to line up and change. When you come into alignment with the promise of God in a situation, God works on behalf of that situation. And you are no longer under that thing. You are operating with God in his power. And he can give strength to that. So I want you to just allow him to begin to open your eyes that you can see what is already there. It's not like you have to muster this up. And I, I find that this is what a lot of uh, we a lot of people try to do. We live in a culture where we're self-made and we can muster up something and we can pretty well get something done as long as we just muster up enough strength to do it. And we're self-made on a lot of things. And the bad side of that is we can carry on without God and he can do far more than what we muster up. And we're hitting walls now that we can't muster up and we're like, what do I do? And our pride makes us back off. And our pride makes us take a step back. And instead of pressing into God with that weakness so that he can give us strength, we just pull back and we live hopeful. Well, maybe God will do something. Whereas if we press in, God already has done something. And you come into that. And you say, okay, God, what is it?
that you have. I want to walk in that. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc. Thank you.